0: Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. Hello, welcome to another episode of Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi. Today, a very special human being is speaking to us, Homa. she always tells me that I put an R where they shouldn't be in her name so hopefully I got it right this time. How are you? I'm very well Junu thank you so much for having me. Yeah thank you for the time I know you're very hectic at the moment. I am but I always say you make um, even busy people you know you make time for the things that count. Yeah well thank you that I do count. Um, I know we spent a lot of time and I've met your parents very loving um, who are very active in supporting you but what was your upbringing like? What are your most treasured memories growing up? Yeah,
1: so um, I grew up in the south of Johannesburg in, in a very recent post-apartheid South Africa in what was called an Indian township. And you know, my memories from a personal perspective, and like I said, you said, know, I grew up in a very loving family, a very loving community, um, and very fond memories from that perspective, and a very um, you know, community-driven, cultural, rich in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole thing about previously disadvantaged, I think, I never felt that growing up. However, at the age of 18, so I was very fortunate to get a scholarship to study engineering um, at the University of Cape Town, mm-hmm. so, you know, different city. Yeah. First time away from home, and it was really at the age of 18 for the very first time that I was exposed to diversity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, growing up in Indian community, Indian school, Indian teachers, Indian friends, and then you got to Cape Town, and, you know, it was like there was a whole world out there that nobody told me about. And with that also, that's for the first time where I felt, oh, my gosh, um, I was. I did have limited exposure. I did, you know, I went to a very, I think I was that last generation who went through the government school, very basic, excellent education, excellent teachers, but no filtered advisors. I didn't yeah. have extramural activities and you know, my school didn't even have prefects. And here you are sitting there with people who are ducks up their schools. I didn't even know what that, what that was when I got yeah. to uni. And I was like, oh my God, how am I gonna compete at this level? And I realized at that point, what the political citizens of South Africa had sort of robbed me of if you will. Yeah. So do you
0: think you were in a bubble in a way?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and again, like I said, it's not in a positive and a negative way. So, and again, you, you've met my parents. I I always say, my mom's my biggest inspiration, my dad's my biggest fan. And my parents, my no fault of this, they did the best job they knew how to. But I wasn't brought up in a community that, you know, I wasn't brought up, brought up to dream, to believe that I can be more than. You know, our culture sometimes also says, you know, you grow up to serve and be humble, um, do good, get a good job and, you know, live a good life. But yeah. um, this whole thing about ambition and drive and wanting to be successful, I, I'm, if you ask me about leadership, for example, not people believe leaders are born. Yeah. I, absolutely, I was an insecure teenager sitting at the back of the classroom. It was only really in my 20s. One part of exposure and I think things like that either make or break you. Mm. And for me, when I said how am I going to compete at this level, I could have culled and cowered and ran away, but I feel like hopefully I've risen to the challenge and because I saw what disparity there was, I was like, what can I do about it? And I think the leader within me was then born in my 20s and that's where- Because it's inspired
0: by the circumstances. But I mean, it's interesting you use the word ambition. Mm. I mean, that's one of the first things. I mean, when I was like thinking about our relationship, Mm. your energy is very ambitious. Where did that come from?
1: Pain and anger and frustration. (laughs) Um, I I say it a bit facetiously, but it's true, right? So even with, I've worked in the bigger gender parity space for the last, the better half of the last two decades almost. And it was just really born out of, just being so frustrated at how unjust the world is. Um, You know, you can be the best at what you do. You can be smart, you can work hard. And sometimes just because you don't look the part, um, you know, you don't look what people expect you to look like things are stacked up against you. And for me, ambition is sort of what it manifests as, but my why is, you know, is rooted at, you can either sit back and complain about a problem or you can do something about yeah. it. And, and you're very <laughs> good at thinking things about things. <laughs>
0: that I know. When we're talking about wisdom versus intelligence, what do you think wisdom is as opposed to intelligence?
1: So one of my favorite quotes, and I'm sure you've heard this one before, Mm. but you know, knowledge or intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. and i think for me that just encompasses everything yeah. right and again you know i came from Are you sure we can't <laughs> put it
0: thought in a phrase salad? well it's <talent. you laughs> a <can't, you
1: laughs> fusion you know anything <laughs> goes. Yeah. Um, but it's just that right so especially coming from again back in nigeria where i had very really strong academics and intelligence is important right but this whole thing about book smart versus street smart about um, relationships people empathy all of that for me is embedded in wisdom intelligence and knowledge also important for sure, no doubt, right? But it's very black and white. Mm. Um, and I think in the world we live in with there's such an information overload, um, sources and this whole fake news, if it's not, um, some different personalities. In a COVID world where it's quite um, you know, virtual and it's, there's not always interactions with people as well, right? Intelligence is for me, Two-dimensional, if you will. Yeah. Wisdom is three-dimensional, four-dimensional, what goes beyond. Oh, wow. So understanding the depth beyond it. And for me, it's really important and how we bring that to life and how we build it into the way we walk through our lives on a daily basis.
0: Mm. And you walk a lot within Hub. <laughs> you're the founder, you're the co-founder and you're the CEO. What does WarmHub do? So Womhub. Um Wombhub is today
1: positioned as a boutique incubator, accelerator, and actually the very first female-only co-working space for women in STEM in Africa. Yeah. And so this is where we're sitting today, right? Yeah. Um, and I say today's position is that because, as you know, dreams aren't bought overnight. Yeah. And it's a culmination of our 15 to 16-year journey. Um, I first started WOM Inge, which is... Uh, the nonprofit subsidiary of Womhub, but Womage actually came first. Mm. And Womage, like I said, born out of recession and passion because being a woman in engineering myself, um, you know, Nadia and I, my co-founder, who I'm sure I'll tell you a lot yeah. about as well. Um, same thing, sit back and complain about a problem or do something about it. As engineering students, female engineering students, engineering is hard enough as it is. And when you have all these other layers compounded, it just makes the challenges so much more emphasized. And we're like, it shouldn't be this hard. And more importantly, those women coming after us, should not have to face the same challenges we faced. Mm. Um, and what started out very much as a passion project just to sort of think about where do we as female engineers go when we graduate has 15 years later um, really become a global social enterprise that works at every step of the engineering talent pipeline. So from girls as young as six years old, um, primary school, high school, early stage university, late stage university, graduate programs, all the way through to the workplace. Yeah. Um, and it's global, I and it is. Just yes, done stuff in we Brazil have.
0: and other That's places. right.
1: And even pre-COVID, we are just telling you the numbers. Um, so, Women's based out of South Africa, but have run programs in twenty two countries in the world pre-COVID. Um, strong focus on on Africa, and um, you know, as I talk about talent pipeline, we started doing a lot more in the innovation entrepreneurship space. And that's why about five years ago, I spun out of Women's to start womb Hub, which then took the innovation entrepreneurial. Um, Part of women and actually scale that to work more with female founders, still in the bigger STEM, uh, STEM space, which mm. we define as science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing, rather than the traditional mathematics. Yeah. Well, so, I attended
0: yeah. one of your mm-hmm. classes, um, the cybersecurity
1: Yes, that's right. So that was exactly. fun. Uh,
0: yeah. So always trying to impress female engineers. Yeah. absolutely. And yeah. sort of, sort
1: of. Nadia's excellence at this is really around the future of work, right? Yeah. So what's the next thing and how do we prepare women to get there? Because oftentimes we either forget the forgotten demographic. Mm. Um, so. But we can't forget
0: ourselves Absolutely. and each other. <laughs> so you were trained as a chemical engineer at the University of Cape Town, mm-hmm. which is a qualification not commonplace for women in general. Yeah. But what attracted you to that specialization in particular? And how has that training influenced the way you think and do things as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. So, you know, I spoke about Women's
1: and you know the type of programs we run. Yeah. Part of College, which is our high school program at Women's, was born out of the fact that I got into engineering for all the wrong reasons. Um, you know, so like I told you about my background, and yeah, I was studying in um, schooling in Linasia and very basic education. Um, at that time I just did six subjects, I didn't even know, seven subjects was an optional ad Maths was a thing, no very commonplace now and um, I just remember thinking I knew what I didn't want to do. <laughs> um, my mom and my sister were both in finance and I'm like, I don't want to do what they do, I want to be different. I didn't want to do medicine because I didn't want to study for six years of my life. Uh-huh. Um, I ended up doing my postgrad, my master's, so that happened anyway, plus some more and um, I was good at maths and science and I just happened to meet um, a friend's friend along the way who was an engineer and he said to me, well, if you're good at maths and science and you know you enjoy this problem solving puzzle thing, maybe do engineering. Um, and then, like I said, I'd seen a call out, um, for bursaries and scholarships and I'd applied to SASOL and because I got the scholarship, um, SASOL essentially said to me, you could do industrial engineering at FITS or chemical engineering in Cape Town at UCT. And I was like, I want to go to Cape Town. How from home <laughs> is that? Is right. that the reason here? And, um, so again, all the wrong reasons, but honestly, I am so grateful. It I, even they say you don't know what you don't know and i didn't know just how much i was going to love it i thrived i really did enjoy practicing as an engineer i did go on and work in the oil and gas space for about six years and even today you know even when i left industry to follow my passion and grow women and subsequently worm hub I don't practice as a technical engineer today, but I always say I use my engineering brain every day. Engineers, by definition, are problem solvers, right? And yes. um, my accounting friends don't like when I say this, but I always say an engineer can become an accountant, but an accountant can't become an engineer. It's because. just one of the most versatile qualifications, mm-hmm. right? You can apply it to almost every um, discipline, industry types of work. As an entrepreneur, I mean, a large part of the way Woom Engine Woom Hub was designed, uh, but just an engineer, as well, and I think the mindset we bring to it has also been one of our um, unique selling propositions. It's programs designed by engineers for engineers. You know, we've ex- it's one of our experiences, again, our frustrations, mm. and I think that is something that's quite special for
0: us. Now that you talk about unique value proposition, what is your unique value proposition? As a yeah. person? Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> my relentless
1: drive to um, really like I said, just ambitiously, as the as you use, but change the world, right? I, again, if you asked me 15, if someone told me 15 years ago that this is where I would be, I would have laughed it off. I'd have been like, not possible, right? But there's a fire within me that, and it's a good and a bad thing, because again, Nadia and my team always say, I, I continue to move the goalposts. Mm-hmm. Every time we reach uh-huh. a milestone, I'm like, okay, let's go further. And I think for me... I just, it's not even about me, but I want to know that the work I'm doing today will leave a legacy and make an impact tomorrow. And I think for me, and that's not unique and there's a lot of people who exist like that, Mm -hmm. but I think um, what I've been able to convert that and how that manifests through the different organizations has been um, quite unique perhaps. Um, And, you know, like sometimes we're so focused on moving forward that we don't always take a step to look back, but if I look back today... um, I've essentially created a whole ecosystem supporting girls and women, um, from you know awareness and breaking stereotypes at an early stage, employability at leadership and leadership going into qualifications and employer and employing in the workplace, but also owning the space as entrepreneurs and founders through WomHub. And my next step in the journey now is um, raising my first funds so that I can. Um, uh, Attack the challenge of access to capital for that women face. Yeah, um, and, and how's that going? It's just started, but very excited. The fund is called Five Thirty Five Ventures, and same thing. The reason, I, one of the reasons, one of the big reasons why I believe there's just not enough capital going to women is because there aren't enough women at the decision-making tables. Not enough female fund managers. Not enough females on investment committees. And until that changes, uh, we, we're not going to see uh, fast enough trajectories. So. I'm now on raising my first fund as a first-time female fan manager. Um, yeah, it's a plan. You'll, you'll to, do
0: well. You I, know hope, that. So. I yeah. hope so, I hope
1: so. You have but, to walk your
0: talk, right? Yeah, and you, you do. Mm. But, you know, with this energy of ambition that you have, I know that um, you kind of had a personal pain from divorce, mm. especially mm. you like winning at everything, I think. Um, and I think you have the best of intentions when you go into things Mm -hmm. and and there's no way you didn't go into that not Mm -hmm. wanting it to last but how did it shake your self-confidence and especially when you talk ambition because it's sometimes in society it seems like it's a bad thing for a woman to be ambitious so that we then don't Mm -hmm. follow our dreams because then we will not be able to have a partner what's your view around that
1: yes i think for me you're absolutely right so one we don't live our life in silos right so um everything integrates into each other whether you like whether you like to or not or whether you choose for it to or not and in my journey um so ambitious, absolutely, and unapologetically so. Um, wanting to win at everything, not as important, but as long, for me, it's more important that I know I always give my best to everything, right? Um, that's, so you, Like I don't know how to do things half-heartedly. <laughs> I'm either all in or otherwise it's on the periphery. Um, and when it really came to relationships, like, I mean, so I, first of all, I was, I was never that girl who dreamt about a wedding from the time she was five years old. But absolutely, you know, when I hit my, uh, when I was I was in my 30s, and at the time, I thought, okay, you know, I've waited, I'm mature, and I'm making the right decisions. And um, at the time, women was already a good eight years old. Um, I was working the oil and gas space, um, like I said, both here and in Germany, had a thriving career, had... Um, both some um, investments, and you know, financially stable. All those, all those good things that society tells. I won't say one, but it's actually that society tells men they should be. And um, absolutely, met a partner who, of course, falls in love with you because you're all of that, right? Because you're different. You, I'm not quite conventional. I think anybody who you knows who meets me knows that. And um, unfortunately, sometimes the very things that attract, that mm-hmm. make you attractive, are the things that work against you. Yeah. And I say this probably out of a place of being scarred and hurt, but society almost wants women to be what I call moderately successful. So be successful enough, but just don't stay in Don't <laughs> make
0: me feel uncomfortable. In exactly, the yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think in my case, unfortunately... Um, it was really hard at the time. I mean, it's been seven years, so I talk about it a bit more openly now, but if I tell you it broke me, for three years I completely shut down because, yeah, I was fell in love with what I believed as you know, also a very successful, A-type, ambitious person who I looked up to. Um, I think that's, I'm always attracted. So to your point about winning, I put me in a boardroom and I'll eat you alive, right? But in a relationship, I don't want to be the powerhouse. I yeah. don't necessarily want that. And, um, Whatever it was, fell in love with that. Um, three months into the relationship, he left because I didn't fit the role of a traditional Indian wife. Yeah. And, you know, it hit me because on one hand, the world is celebrating you. You're doing interviews, mm. you're on covers of magazines, you're winning awards, your organization's growing, and everyone's talking about how you're a role model for women. For the very same reason, you pay the ultimate price yeah. personally, right? Um, and it leaves you so conflicted because you start questioning everything. I started questioning my work, I started questioning who I was. It's like when a woodpecker pecks at a tree, right? The first peck, the second peck doesn't really make an impact, but many pecks later the tree starts falling apart and then someone keeps pecking at you, at your confidence, at your own self-worth. I started believing I wasn't good enough. I started believing my work wasn't important. I started believing um, maybe to be happy I can't be this. Um, and it really did break me. And you know, you talk about winning, and the opposite of winning is failing. And that's when, when, when he left, I felt like it was the ultimate failure. Yeah. It didn't, no, didn't matter to me if all the other successes were mm. happening around me because the thing I valued the most, relationships of people are what I value over and above everything else. And I think to your point about people think that ambitious women are for lack of better words, don't have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> right? <Like> your independence <laughs> precludes exactly. you from wanting exactly. a partner. Or, yeah. or having...
0: Um, or like wanting to be loved. Absolutely. And, those, and, and all feelings. those things that go with it. Yeah. And
1: I remember, and I think you knew me at the time, and I think for three years, many people just... so We were worried. You just... I, I shut down. Yeah. But shut down internally, meaning socially and the like, mm. right? On the flip side, you go to my social media pages, you'd still see me. Yeah. Bright smile, right? Because what do we do? We project. The world yeah. asks, "How are you?" I'm fine. I'm mm-hmm. great. Uh, but internally, you just really want to hear <laughs> the,
0: the sub stories, yeah. I
1: suppose. And it's and, and but I think that's just it. It was. It's conversations like these. It was only really about two years ago when the first time I spoke about it more openly, and a couple of things happened. One, unfortunately, I I learned that I'm not the anomaly. It's more common than yeah. in it, it should be. Yeah. The second thing was by telling my story and like, I'm no superwoman, I'm nothing special. If I can achieve what I have with my organizations, anybody can do it. And I think in sharing your vulnerabilities and the fact that you aren't, you know, infallible, it, it gave permission to those around me to do the same. Yeah. Um, I'm a hot mess most of the time. <laughs> um, and you know what, it's okay to be so. Um, I was also just very fortunate to be surrounded by extremely incredible support system yeah. in the shape of my parents, my sibling, my um, friends, my co-founder Nadia, who was just a superstar at the time. And this is why partners in, in business is so yeah. important. She's yeah. um, a joke, but and I think it's so true though. They say that the, the the most important decision you're going to make in life is choosing a business partner more than even a life partner. Yeah. I, I don't regret the, the, the life partnership falling apart. I'm just so glad that Nadia is my business yeah. partner and it's so much more has just been the most incredible relationship over the last 15
0: years. Yeah, it, it, it really <laughs> has worked. It's an inspiration to watch. Mm-hmm. And as you talk about that, you've been awarded many accolades in your young life, like being named one of South, Africans, of South Africa's inspiring 50 women in tech one of the top 200 young South Africans by um, Mail and Guardian, amongst many others, you know. um, And 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 I think that's why we all felt it, because Mm. we could see you were interpreting it as a personal failure, and yet we could see the amazing things that you do. But moving on from that, what keeps you awake at night?
1: Oh, geez, so many things. (laughs) Um, A large part of it is so so I see this in layers, right? So it's the big macro level uh, layer, and like I said, I was so fortunate, or I am so fortunate, that I found my purpose early in life. Um, it has morphed and shaped and taken shape in different forms, but to me, like I said, the bigger gender of umbrella and sort of um, leveling the playing field for women has always been sort of the core and the macro level of the why, and we still have so far to go. So, you know, on a very big level, that's, just knowing how much work there is keeps me up at night. But of course, faltering down to bite-sized chunks. You know, I'm a builder. Um, having first built Worm Worm Eng with Nadia, then us going to Wormhub, Hub, um, now to the Fund. You know, I'm, I'm really. I think I'm really great at getting something started, building it, um, and then you know, handing over to a team to then take it and 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 grow and scale it. Um, but that's that's this whole thing about. When you've built something and what it's next stage and letting go it's like i'm not a parent i don't have authority to speak on that level but it's like building and parenting these organizations and then handing them over and sending them off to college that yeah. sometimes keeps me up at night right so having put your blood sweat and tears into organizations and trying to um and hoping that they will building in such a way that they will thrive without you yeah. um the thing that keeps me up as a visual is in everything I do, I should never be the product. Mm. If you're the product, then that is always dependent on you. I am just the conduit. Um, and as long as I'm the conduit, that means remove me from the equation, it will still, it still live. Thrive. It will still thrive. Yeah. So right now I am focusing on um, exiting in terms in, at different stages perhaps and... Um, I joked about it, but I, I think it's, it's more serious than a joke, but I always say, I want to retire at 40. Not retire, and um, I don't think I'm ever not going to work, but I don't want to ever be working because I have to, and you know, um, that whole thing about building organizations, worrying about where the next paycheck is going to come from, um, ensuring your staff's okay. I want to know that you know, in a couple of years' time, let's talk to legacy again, but I'm working because I want to, to and not know. because I have you to. Have to yeah. I love what I do, I absolutely do. So I think I'll, I'll continue working my choice for You'll a very long time. You'll find other things to do, I'm <laughs> but sure. But my, my, my goal is to make sure that, you know, you shouldn't be, I, I've hustled for the better part of my 30s and um, what is that What is that working towards? Yeah. I just want to be able to invest in. I want to invest in other female businesses. I want to. I want to be able and to be that it, mentor. MBA. And I'm finishing my MBA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I do want to a doctorate. Study, but that's just it. So you're doing all those things. Like I want to study. I realize I am a nerd at heart. I do love <laughs> studying as much as I push and scream about it. I want to study. I want to. I want to be that enabler for other mm. businesses, for other yeah. women. For I really, really want to spend the next couple of years um, being an activator. I'm an operator at the moment, and I want
0: to move from being an operator to an activator. Hmm. It's something we need to delve into more or another time. Um, just before we close, what's still on your bucket list to do? Jeez, Retire? at 40. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: um, That's a big one. It's you know. Um, so there's this again there's the more I say superficial lightly, but of course I, I'm I'm a traveller. I, I must say I've been in, I've enjoyed being grounded during COVID. Um, I did 53 flights in 2019 all long haul. Yeah. So this was a stark change for me. I do have a travel bucket list socially. Um, but I think for me, that's a, that's a great question. Um, more than bucket list, the thing that I want to do, other than anything, because a lot of everything we've spoken about has always been part of the bigger. Uh-huh. Work or professional spectrum because for me, my work, it's the same. But there's something that I'm very passionate about is animals. And in oh. my later life, I absolutely would love to own an animal sanctuary, yeah. um, a rescue sanctuary for animals. Um, uh, you know, yes, domestic animals like dogs and cats, but perhaps wild animals from a sanctuary protection, conservation space. That's an interesting one. Um, Yeah, so I think that's something that I I just haven't had time to focus on because of all this other stuff I'm doing.
0: Well, it's a a stepping stone towards that. So in closing, Mm. if this was the last conversation, Mm -hmm. what what wisdom would you like to leave us with? It sounds
1: so simple, um, but it's something I've struggled with the most um, is knowing your own self-worth. And I think, again, Nadia, um, you know, she really is such a strong force in my life. And she says, she says this to me, and I gonna say to everybody else, is own your awesome. <laughs> and again, it's, I think for women especially, especially, we don't give ourselves enough credit. We don't own our awesome. Um, and it's only when you have that inner self-worth that others around you will really hold you worthy, too, um, and more often than not, we are better than we think. We are so great at what we do, but, um, but we let the world believe that make us believe that we 're not and I know it was one of my biggest um, achilles heels it still is i 'm on a journey it 's not something that you fix overnight. But I think for me, the minute I started that journey of, especially it was after, you know, it, it's sometimes born out of pain and trauma.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's when I started on that journey of owning my worth that yeah. things started taking shape. And I belong in this world. I own, I, you know, I want to own the space around me because I know the value I add. Um,
0: and I'm grateful that I'm, that I've, that I've, that I'm on that journey. <laughs> But also I think the pain you've been through has kind of balanced you, which is why we're having this conversation. Mm. Because I think you've gone through this and there's, you're very intelligent, but there's this wisdom that is bubbling up. Mm. And I think this is why I wanted to share the story with you. Um, You know, life is a journey, we never stop learning. And even the pains that we go through make us wiser, and better human beings. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Dudum Swami. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Dudum Swami. Please also like, follow, and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified. Conversations with Dudum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.